Well, you know, there's something in life that most people experience, if not all people, and it comes in many forms and many ways. And sometimes it comes deservedly, sometimes it comes undeservedly. Today we're going to see how to handle suffering. Welcome to New Hope Radio, everybody. And the New Hope Radio podcast. You know, sometimes as a Christian, you may find yourself asking God, why the suffering? Why am I going through this? Now, let me say, there's nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, what I'm going to give you today is about six questions that you can ask God when you experience suffering of any kind. And if you're listening to us today, you could be listening to WARV 1590 on the AM dial, 92.7 on the FM dial, and also it's our podcast, and you can catch that at newhopecc.tv, click podcast. And uh, join the Hope Club. The Hope Club is a group of supporters that support New Hope Radio for $3 a week, and uh, we're going to be sending out those audio file emails beginning This Monday morning, you'll be waking up to a beautiful devotional to help you get started off on the right foot during the day. All right, so let's take a look at some of the questions that we can ask God when we find ourselves in a suffering situation. Number one, am I being disciplined for some kind of sin? Have I gone down the wrong way? Am I wayward? And is God disciplining me to kind of get my attention? A lot of people don't like the word sin. But it simply means to miss the mark. It's the word hamatia. And it means to fall short of God's perfect standard. (laughs) I guess that settles it right there. We're all there. We've all fallen short of God's perfect standard. That's okay. That's okay. It never changes God's love toward us. Sometimes when we do fall short, you know what you need to do? Bounce right back. Acknowledge it. Get right at it. But when we fail to acknowledge it, then God has to get our attention. Uh, you know, that's why the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians thirteen five, listen, test yourselves. See if you're in the faith. Examine yourselves. The word means to scrutinize, and it's used of testing metal for impurities. So we say, look at your life. Are you living according to the faith that you say you have? That's all. If you are beautiful, keep doing it. If not, you got to make some changes. Or God will bring in the discipline. And there might be some kind of suffering that God will send to steer your ship, to turn you around. So in order to examine yourself, it requires two things. Number one, real humility. Because, you know, we don't like to see our faults. We like to see the good things. It takes real humility to want to see your fault. And then secondly, you've really got to want to know God. And you've got to ask yourself that question. How much do I really want to know God? Do I want things to get in the way? Do I want my sin to get in the way of knowing God? See, God did this with, his, with Israel. Oh, yeah, way back in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 8, 
God said to them, Thus you are to know in your heart that the Lord your God was disciplining you, just as a man disciplines his son. So any loving parent will bring discipline on their child when they're wayward, when they go off, right? And God does this with the church. The Bible tells us in, what, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6, those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. Discipline is because of love. It's for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. What son is there whom his father does not discipline? I'll tell you what, son, a spoiled brat, a kid that has no boundaries, somebody that's going to get into a lot of trouble. That's who. But Hebrew says, if you are without discipline, of which all of you have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. It's like God only disciplines people that belong to him. You ever look at people and say, man, they're so bad. Why doesn't God do something? They don't belong to him. You don't discipline someone else's child. You only discipline your own. Except back in the 50s, I remember. <laughs> didn't matter whose kid you were. If you went off, you got spanked. <laughs> it didn't matter in those days. You know, in those days, right? If, 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 the, if the teacher disciplined you, you went home, you got disciplined too because the teacher disciplined you. Nowadays, if the teacher disciplines you, you go home, tell your parents, they sue the school. <laughs> I'm like, what? So if you were bad and you got punished, then you got punished because you got punished. That's the way it was in those days. So God gives us instructions, okay? If you go off, here it is. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now that's good. That means that if you're honest and open before God, he's going to give you a clean slate. Everything's going to be washed away. And you can start fresh. So there's one reason for this, for suffering in our lives. Discipline because of sin. Number two, you can ask God this question when you're suffering. Is Satan attacking me because I'm a Christian? You know, that's a legitimate question too. Satan is at war with Jesus. When Israel came on the scene, he went to war with them. Now... He takes aim at the church. That's his target, the church. And if you're a Christian, you're in the church, and you've got a bullseye on your back. Even the Apostle Peter said, and he gave a warning to the church. He said, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, who is it, Peter? The devil, that dirty devil. You know, he prowls around like a roaring lion. Why? Seeking someone to devour. You know what the word devour means? Drink down. Drink down till there's nothing left. That's what Satan wants to do. And sometimes the suffering that we endure is because of a spiritual conflict. Spiritual warfare. You know what it looks like so far? <laughs> God comes after you when you do wrong. Satan comes after you when you do right. <laughs> you can't win. You're going to suffer. By the way, the devil doesn't attack the flock. He isolates the sheep. That's why it's so dangerous to withdraw from the body of Christ. Because you place yourself in grave 
danger. You know, you know, a lot of professing Christians like, no, man, I don't need the church. I'm okay. It's me and God. You put yourself in grave danger. You know what the wolves do? The wolves look at the flock and they study and they watch the little lamb that's kind of wandered away. And when the little lamb wanders enough away from the flock, the wolves circle him. That becomes lunch. As long as he's with the flock, he's protected. And the local church is the flock. It's the body of Christ. And that's where your protection lies. So you can be spared. You know, you can. it's a, it's a lot safer to be among believers than to be the Lone Ranger Christian. Here's another question you can ask God when you're suffering. Am I being prepared for a special service? Am I learning to be compassionate to others who suffer in this very same way? You know, that's a good question. Amy Carmichael was a missionary to South India. Wow, listen to this. She spent 56 years on the mission field and never came home. And then an accident damaged her leg. And it left her bedridden for the last, wow, 20 years of her life. And you know what she did in the last 20 years of her life while she was bedridden? In that condition, she wrote 16 of her 40 books. And she revised many other written books that were written previously. And perhaps it was her understanding of Romans 8.28 that led her to this. And you might be familiar with that passage. We know that God causes all things to work together for good. To those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Isn't that a beautiful scripture? It's not saying that God causes each individual event in our lives to be good. But he's saying when they're all mixed together, the outcome is good. That's what he's saying. It's like baking a cake. The individual ingredients in a cake, they're not that good. Yeast, shortening, baker's flour, egg, Individually, nah. But when you put them all together and bake them, magic happens. And it comes out so good. So there are individual incidents in our lives, and they're they're not good. But God has a way of mixing them all together. And if you can just continue to love God throughout your life, it'll become good. And that's what Amy Carmichael did. She worked everything for the good. Now, some of you have suffered for the purpose of comforting other people. That the heartache that you experienced became a blessing to the heartache of someone else that had the very same experience. And that's why the Bible tells us, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those 
who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. See, when you go through a heartache, God doesn't want you to crawl, you know, roll up into a ball. He wants you to let him comfort you. And then when you meet other people that have experienced the same thing, you can be a comfort to them. See, that's the Christian life. That's the Christian way of life. That's what we do. That's what we do as Christians. So I guess the question is not, why the suffering? Why am I suffering? But, oh, what do I do with it? What do I do with the suffering that's been handed to me? That's the question. You might be familiar with the Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon's wife ran a book ministry. She started collecting books and sending them to poor preachers locally. And because preachers, you know, they didn't make any money in those days, and uh, they couldn't afford resources. So she would collect books or collect money and buy books and send them. And then word got out, and over the years it became a worldwide ministry. Well, you know what? One day she became really, really ill. She was confined to the bed for the rest of her life. And she maintained her book ministry from her bed. Raising money, distributing study books to poor pastors all over the world. Wow. There is someone that answered the question, what should I do with my suffering? I know what I'll do. I'm going to keep ministering. I'm going to keep ministering to people in my suffering. That's what she did. The fourth question that you may ask when suffering, here's a good one. Am I specifically selected for testing like Job? You might be familiar with Job. And, you know, Job was a man that was, yeah, he was singled out by the devil and God. And he went through what he went through for a specific reason. To glorify God. To demonstrate faith. What does the Bible tell us? There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. Oh, that man was blameless. Upright. Fearing God. Turning away from evil. He was a good man. He didn't have to, you know, examine himself to see if he was in the faith. He didn't have to repent of his sins. He was a good man. And you know what happened? Satan said to God, You know why he's so righteous? Because you blessed him. You made him wealthy. You've given him everything. No wonder he loves you. You've made him the wealthiest man in the land. And you know what God said to the devil? He said, then take away the blessing and see what happens. He said, do anything you want to him. Just don't kill him. But do anything you want. And you know what? Satan did. And you know, he took away his children, his farms, his servants, even his health. And Job stayed faithful. And then the story ends. You know how it ended? With God restoring Job's fortunes 
Oh, this is so cool. With twice as much as he had before. And he lived another 140 years to enjoy all that God had restored. And he was old and full of days. And they tell us that this testing period was only about nine months. And he was faithful for nine months of suffering. And God gave him another 140 years with tremendous blessing. Now, you got to remember what Peter said. Peter tells us that the angels, in 1 Peter 1.12, they desire to look into the ways of man. They are watching the work of redemption unfold in our very lives. That's what they're doing. They're learning about the grace of God. They're learning about how God deals with man who's never seen God. Because God deals with man differently than he does with angels because the angels have seen God. A fifth question you can ask when suffering. Is my suffering a result of natural consequences for which I am not directly responsible? You know, that's a legitimate question. Sometimes sometimes we just suffer. Jesus said, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. There is good and there is bad that happens to all kinds of people. No one is exempt. You know, you never want to give the false message, become a Christian and your problems will go away. Because that's not true. But there is a benefit to being a Christian. And you know what that benefit is? Spiritual resources. You have resources as a Christian that you don't have as a non-Christian. So two people are going through suffering. One's a believer in Christ, one's not. The believer in Christ, according to 1 Corinthians 2.16, has the mind of Christ. Philippians 2.5, Paul says, you can have the same attitude that Christ had, where he humbled himself. The Christian has the filling of the Holy Spirit. The Christian has divine wisdom. You know, as a Christian, you're able to think through things spiritually, where a non-Christian cannot. So we're not exempt from suffering, but we have spiritual resources that we can use in our suffering. Suffering can make you bitter. It can make you better. You choose. We choose what we allow suffering to do to us, bitter or better. See, God gives us a warning. You know what God says? Choose the better. Choose better. Like, where did he say that? Hebrews 12, 15. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God. That no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble. And by it, oh man, many be defiled. What is Hebrews saying? Don't let a root of bitterness grow inside of you. You know what it's going to do? It's not only going to affect you. It's going to affect all the people around you. Who wants to be around a bitter person? Not me. We don't want to be around bitter people. They're no fun. They're not a joy. They're not happy. They're bitter. It's like poison. So it's a root. It starts off a root. It grows inside you. How do I not let that root grow? The grace of God. Live in the grace 
of God. Everything that we're talking about today. Commentators tell us that this is with regard to false teaching in the church, but it's more than that. Because the verse before it says, pursue peace with everyone. How do you fight bitterness? Be at peace with other people. The following verse uses Esau as an example who lived for the flesh rather than the things of God. So God gives us a positive and a negative. The positive, be at peace with people. The negative, don't be like Esau. And that root of bitterness will not grow inside of you. So whatever is the cause of your suffering, don't let it be your undoing. You have spiritual resources to get you through. Finally, I got one more question you can ask God in your suffering. Is my suffering due to some unknown reason? And what does that mean? It means that, hmm, maybe you just can't figure it out. I don't know why. You know, we don't have the answer to every question. I know I don't. So when you don't have the answer to the question, what do you have? Faith. That's what you have. You have faith. If you don't understand why you're suffering, don't withdraw. Don't retaliate. Apply your faith. Rest in God's love as you look at the cross. The cross is the reminder that God loves you. In spite of how you're feeling, God loves you. You just continue to look at the cross. I remember when we had babies, they'd always be crying from teething at like two in the morning. I remember being with my son, two in the morning, crying all night long. Teeth, teeth, they're trying to break through. Some of you, you, you remember that experience. And I'd hold him all night long. And then about 5.30 in the morning, he'd fall asleep. And I'm like, thanks a lot, kid. <laughs> now I got to get up. <laughs> I'm already up. <laughs> you see, but in his teething, I couldn't help him. I couldn't, like, take away the pain. I couldn't do anything. Nothing. I remember when I was a little kid teething, you know what they did to us in those days? They rubbed brandy on our gums. No wonder I have brain damage today. But you see, God's love is a reminder at the foot of the cross. At the cross, we're reminded about how, how much God loves us, not about how we feel or our condition or what we're going through. So suffering is real. And we often question it, and that's okay. It's okay to question God regarding your suffering. And I gave you six questions to ask God. Is it discipline? If it is, examine yourself. Look at your life. Are you really living the Christian way of life? Number two, is it a satanic attack? If so, trust God to deliver you. Number three, is it preparation for something else? Then look for opportunities to help others. Number four, have I been specially selected to suffer in this way? Then live in your faith and give glory to God. Number five, 
Is it natural consequences from a sinful world? Because we live in a sinful world, right? Then use your spiritual resources. Use what God has provided in the midst of your suffering. You get the power of the Spirit, the wisdom of the Word. You've got the body of Christ. You got so much going for you. And then, lastly, if you can't figure out why you're suffering, don't withdraw. Don't stay away from the body of Christ. Don't get bitter. Don't retaliate. Here's what you do keep your eyes on the cross. That's what you do. You keep your eyes on the cross. You always have to look at the cross. Oh, Satan comes with those fiery dots. God doesn't love you. God doesn't care. God's not watching you. He's too busy. He's got other things to do. You say, no, devil. You look at the cross. Oh, there it is. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him would never perish but have everlasting life. There's the cross. He gave his son on the cross. That's what he did. Why? Because he loves us. He loves us. And that love never changes. It never changes. But it doesn't mean you're not going to hurt. And it doesn't mean you're not going to sorrow. And you're not going to have pain. God loves you in your pain he loves you in your sorrow, just like you love your child when they're in pain. And you love your child when they're hurting. And you, there's nothing you can do. But you know you love that child. And let me tell you something. You need to know that God loves you. Don't forget about how much he loves you. Don't forget. And if you do forget, you turn and you look at the cross and you listen to some beautiful worship music that has to do with the cross that's it it's the cross the cross is God's message here's how much I love you that I gave my son for you I'll tell you what suffering's real but so's God and so are the resources that he's given us to get through hey thanks for coming along today New Hope Radio, New Hope Radio podcast. You can get us on Spotify. You can get us on newhopecc.tv. Click podcast. And um, join the Hope Club. Go to newhopecc.tv. Go to support. Click e-giving. Go to radio. We'll get you on the mailing list to get your weekly email devotionals. Have a great day, and we'll see you next time.